says, here I raise my Ebenezer and you don't know what in the world you're singing. So we're going to talk about Ebenezer this morning. And just what that means a little bit. Second Sam, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 4. 1 Samuel 4, we see Ebenezer the first time. It's the place. And in, verse, in chapter 7, we see a stone named Ebenezer, a marker, a memorial, and we're going to look at that here. Um, also, um, that, third, that third stanza and the third verse of that stanza is prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. We kind of see that in these, in these, uh, this, these chapters as well as far as the children of Israel. Of course, they were, if you read any anything about the Old Testament, it's a history of, what's well, the history of the world, a history of uh, the children of Israel. And all through there, they were prone to wonder and, uh, and would come back and uh, they would serve other gods and come back to the true God, true and living God. And we see that here. And kind of going down through here, chapter number four, to kind of set the scene. I'm not, and so we're just kind of gonna. I'm not going to read the four, five, uh, four, five, six, and seven, but uh, we're going to hit some highlights in these chapters, and uh, then try to bring it all together, and make application to us uh, today. First Samuel chapter, first Samuel chapter four, and the word and verse number one, and the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines pitched in Aphek, and the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel, and when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew of the army of in the field about four thousand men. And when the people were come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the Ark of the Lord was come into the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God is come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing there heretofore. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the land of these mighty gods? Now they had that wrong. And they, they, they pluralized God here in, in 8. These are the gods, again wrong, that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. They had that right, but it was a singular God, the God of the Hebrews. Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines. 
that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten. And they fled every man into his tent, and there was a, great, a very great slaughter. For there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were slain. And there ran a man of Benjamin out of the army, and it came to, and came to Shiloh in the same day with his clothes rent, and earth was upon his head. So this man run with the news, and, he, and let's skip on down, because he come into the city. Eli uh, was the priest, and he heard the noise. He wanted to know what was going on. And so um, it says, verse number 15, he was 98. His eyes were dim. He could not see. And the man said unto Eli, verse number 16, I am he that came out of the army, and I fled today out of the army. And he said, What is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines. There hath been also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that he fell from his seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck brake and he died. For he was an old man and heavy. And he had judged Israel 40 years. And his daughter-in-law, Phineas, his wife, was with child near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast born a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel for the ark of God is taken. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you, Lord, for the privilege of prayer, Lord, allowing us to come before the throne of grace. Thank you, Lord, for all those that are here today. We thank you, Lord, for... Helping Darian last night, and uh, Lord, for protecting him, allowing them to be here this morning. Thank you for answered prayer uh, after we got word, and uh, Lord, that it uh, wasn't as worse, as bad as it could have been. We praise you for that. We pray and ask that you would guide and direct in the services today. Again, thank you, Lord, for all the visitors, and uh, Lord, thank you for what's been said already. Thank you for the songs of, of the faith, Lord, that we enjoyed and, uh, Lord, all the things that points to all that you've done for us. And we sing praises unto you in that. We pray and ask that you guide and direct in the services today. Guide my words and my thoughts. And we ask and pray that the Spirit of God would move among the hearts of the people and the listener. And we ask and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. amen. And amen. So, Ebenezer means a stone of help. A stone of help. Uh, we see that, of course, it's, it's actually uh, the stone of help. And uh, so here I raise mine Ebenezer. Uh, he's re- the, the songwriter is speaking of this in the, in the chapter 7, but in chapter number 4 it was just a place. It still means the stone of help, but it doesn't mean what it means in chapter 7. And we're going to get to 7. Uh, because you say, well, they were pitched by Ebenezer here. They pitched beside Ebenezer, a stone of help against the Philistines, but yet 4,000 of these men died in the first battle. Uh, when they set themselves at array. At this time in the, in the history of Israel, 
they were servants uh, of the Philistines. Uh, is, uh, the Philistines had, um, you know, had conquered them and, 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 and made them pay tribute to the Philistines and they had to serve the Philistines. And we see that in the fact that once the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord had, um, had come into the camp and they cried with a loud cry and the Philistines got fe- fearful, the, the leaders in the Philistines told the Philistine fighters to quit them like men because if they didn't stand up and fight, then they would be the servants of the Hebrews instead of the Hebrews being servants of them. And we read that in your ears this morning. And, uh, you know, as I got to looking uh, through here, and I'm thinking, you know, they lost 4,000 people there in verse number 2, and then they lost another 30,000 footmen, plus Hophni and Phinehas, plus the Ark of God in verses 10 and 11. And I just, I was sitting there studying, and I got to thinking about the population. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of deaths in a, in a single battle or two, two battles here, 34,000 uh, and two, plus the ark. And I, so I just looked up, of course, there was the different people, the different censuses uh, that people were going by. Uh, of course, we do a census in, in, in America, the United States of America, every 10 years. And, of course, then, you know, we have the projections and so on and so forth. So I got two or three different figures when it comes to the, the census, the, the population of Oklahoma City proper, not the surrounding areas, but Oklahoma City proper, just to kind of get an idea of perspective. And uh, then, you know, the, the number that it gave me, uh, it actually broke down the demographics, you know, Hispanic and white and black and male and female and so on and so forth. And it said it was 51% ma- a female, of that population and 41%, I'm sorry, 49% male of, of that population. So I said, okay, we got all males here that just died. So I took that 49% and got that number, did my figuring. And basically it would be like in these two battles here, it would be like losing 24% of the male population of Oklahoma City proper. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of graves at any, any given time, you think, especially the 30,000 people. I mean, that's just something else. You know, we talk about the, the attack on America of 9-11-01, September the 11th of, of 2001, and how that 3,000 people died. That's a lot of people. But this is thir- 4,000 people in that first battle and 30,000 people in the second battle. And you say, well, wait a minute. Didn't the second battle, they, didn't they have the ark? Yes, they did. But I want to show you uh, the, the one thing that stood out in me in the fact when they had lost the first battle and 4,000 men were smitten, then they, they asked the question, wherefore hath, God smit, uh, hath the Lord smitten us to, uh, today before the Philistines in, cha- in verse number 3? Then they, they come up with this suggestion. The ark, let's go get the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us that when, here's the word that popped off the page to me, when it, when it cometh among us, it shall save us out of the hand of our enemies. See, the the children of Israel were not looking to God. They were looking in, they were looking to 
the ark, the, 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 um, the vessel, if you want to put it that way, of the ark of the covenant of the Lord, uh, of the Lord, of the Lord. And, and so they were just, and, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord in times past, uh, when God had told them to make the ark of the covenant and put the mercy seat upon there, put the things inside uh, Aaron's rod that budded, the Ten Commandments was in there, the tables of stone was, you know, of the Ten Commandments. They were in there, and, and a golden pot uh, of, of manna was in, inside there. And God said that he would dwell, when it was in the uh, tabernacle, he would dwell between the cherubims on the, top of the, on the top of the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat. And any time in times past, any time that the Ark of the Covenant was bore before the children of Israel as they took the promised land of we're learning, we're, we're right there, by the way, in the, me and Sunday school class on Sunday nights. We got it. We're across the river. We're getting, we're, we're beyond Gilgal. We're getting ready to go conquer Jericho on this in the Sunday night, uh, Sunday school class for the men. So we're right there. We're learning. We're seeing some of this. When the Ark of the Covenant, we just learned uh, in our Sunday night men's class where they, the, the priest that bore it stepped into the, the Jordan River. The Jordan stood up on a heap, the Bible tells us. And they were able to cross the Jordan River uh, just before they got to Jericho. So it always had been a symbol of the presence of the Lord when they looked at it as the Lord's presence. Well, they didn't look to them as that. They, was, they were, we'll find out in a minute, they were serving uh, other gods and expecting the true God to give them deliverance. So they were in, beside Ebenezer, the area, the town, the, the city, I don't know exactly there, but Ebenezer was an area, a place, and they were pitched there, but they were looking to at the ark as a as a as deliverance. But they were not looking to the Lord of the ark of the covenant of the of the Lord. They were just looking at the ark as being something that would deliver them. And God didn't show up. I was trying to find. Yeah, there we go. In chapter number. Well, so so as it goes. The, the Ark of the Covenant was taken among the Philistines and God and put among one of their gods, Dagon, put it in their temple and Dagon then was toppled over and then toppled over in the, the head and the, and the hands of Dagon, their, their false idol, their false god, their image was broken off and they didn't even go back into that temple anymore. And God smote the children of Israel, all the I'm sorry, the Philistines, all the cities that they had that they had taken the ark to. God, and they, they finally went to the lords of the Philistines and said, "We got to get rid of this thing. How are we going to do that?" And they put it on a new cart. They put it on a, a cart with uh, two milk cows that had young. And they said, well, "Hold the young back. If the milk cows turn back to the young, then we'll know that this is just a bad." something bad that's happened to us uh, people. But if the milk cows don't turn back to their young and they continue on, then we know that it was God that smote us. And, it, and guess that's what happened exactly. So the milk cows took the, the Ark of the Covenant on that new cart to the, 
to the place where they were headed, headed in that direction. People followed it, and sure enough, it was delivered. And then the people of the children of Israel that seen it, seen it, and they said, oh, this is great. The ark is back. Hallelujah. And so they took the, they took the ark, and they, they took the, the milk cows, and they offered sacrifice uh, there on a stone. And that's what you're finding in chapter 5 and chapter 6. And, uh, but then several more was killed because they looked into the Ark of the Covenant. In chapter number 4, verse 21, no, let's go back up. So they looked into the Ark of the Covenant and 50,000 was killed. And they was wondering why in the world. All right, so let's look here. Verse number 18 of chapter 6. And they, uh, see, back, let's go back up to 17. And these are the golden emeralds which the Philistines return for a trespass offering unto the Lord, for Ashdod one, for Gaza, or Gaza one, for Ashkelon one, for Gath one, for Ekron one, and the golden mice according to the number of all the cities of the Philistines belonging to the five lords, both the fifth cities and the, and the country villages, even unto the great stone of Abel, whereupon they set down the ark of the Lord, which stone remaineth unto this day in the field of Joshua the Beshemite. And he smote the men of Beshemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. Even he smote of the people 50,000 and threescore and ten men. And the people lamented because the Lord had smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. Actually, I stand corrected, or I'm, I'm getting ready to correct myself. I put the 50,000 along with the 30,000 along with the 40,000 when I come up with the 24%. That's a lot of people for doing wrong by the Lord. Amen. So one, they had just used the ark as a, as a, as a vessel. They just used it basically as an idol. They idolized the ark itself and not the Lord of the ark. And in here, they, they, they wronged themselves by looking inside the ark which they were not supposed to do. 50,000 of them were killed. It's amazing. So total, 84,070 people were lost. 72 if you count Hophni and Phinehas. 84,072. So in verse number 20, And the men of Bethshemesh said, Who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? That's a good question. And who shall he go and who and to whom shall he go up from us? And they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kerjas Jerem, saying, The Philistines have brought again the ark of the Lord. Come ye down and fetch it up to you. Verse number one of chapter seven. And the men of Kerjas Jerem came, Kerjath Jerem, there we go, came and fetched up the ark of the Lord, and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill, and sanctified Eliezer. Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord and it came to pass while the ark abode at Kerjath-Jerim that the time was long for it was 20 years and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. They lamented after the Lord. And Samuel spake unto the house of Israel saying if ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizbeth, 
Mizpeth, I pray, or Mizpeth, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mizpeth and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said, There we have sinned against the Lord, and Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpeth. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpeth, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel, and when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling, a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. I love that. And the Lord heard him. And... Israel, and as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and disconfitted them, and they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out to Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came to Bethkar. And Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. Ebenezer saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel, and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, and Ekron even from Ekron even to Gath, and the coast thereof did Israel deliver out of the hands of the Philistines, and there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. And so we see a difference. We see something changed here from chapter number 4 when they look at the ark and they said it, the vessel. Now they're saying we need God. And Samuel, the, the preacher, the prophet at the time, Samuel here says, you know, he, he, he pretty much rebuked him. We actually heard some of the same themes already this morning in, in, the, in the Sunday school hour. You know, how that that we have to get to the place where we're sin, that we, we recognize our sin and our sinful state. And, and just, just like the children of Israel, as long as they were happy in serving these other gods, then, then they were servants of the Philistines. And it wasn't until they become, just, just, they become uh, tired of that tired of the servitude, tired of all that the oppression from the Philistines that, that they sought deliverance. And we can make application, as, like I said, just to build upon what's already been said today, oftentimes we, we are like the children of Israel in the fact that we, we use the ark, of the, we, we use church and we use the things about church just kind of along the lines of like they did. Well, as long as I come down to the church house on Sunday, as long as we got the ark among us, we're all right. Well, no, you're not necessarily all right. As long as we go through the motions, as long as we put a, a little bit of money in the jug or a little bit of money in the plate, we're all right. But then you'll go out Monday through Saturday and you serve these other gods. And these other gods can be anything. I'm just going to go ahead and hit this one. I hadn't said anything. I didn't say anything last Sunday. I didn't tell everybody 
to go out and buy your wives something for Wednesday. I didn't say anything Wednesday. But what I did put out was, if uh, on my social media, my thought for the day, if you're only showing affection to your wife one day out of the year, something's wrong. <laughs> but I said that about this. I say that to say this in the fact that, you know, when you look up the history of Valentine's Day, and then how many of these other gods historically, when you look up these, the, the Roman gods, the Greek gods, and a whole bunch of these other gods, how many has to do with fertility? And how many has to do with, with all of that that goes along with that? I mean, that's just plain wicked. And just kind of how it all come about. You know, what you, you know, I mean, like I said, it's not wrong to buy your wife candy. I got mine a candy bar. Her favorite. She ain't had it in a long time. It's not, I did that on the 13th. <laughs> it's, not, it's not wrong to get your wife flowers. It's not wrong to tell her you love her. And hopefully you do that every day, not just the 14th day of February. All right, it's not wrong to, Write a little note to her in a card. But it is wrong if we would get all the, the, the gods of this world. When you look historically, it probably goes way back to the Roman days and the Roman god of Eros and so on and so forth. We had some little naked baby angels that was in here at one time. We got rid of those things, right? Engraving images. But you think about anything else that you put in front of God. I mean, these gods of this world, you know, whether it is eros, erotica comes from that. And people will serve that. And serve that, uh, the Bible talks about the pleasures of sin. It is pleasurable. Pleasures of sin. It is. The Bible tells us that Moses found out that it was, uh, you know, that he, he chose to, 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 uh, to suffer with the children of Israel. Because he could have he could remain in Pharaoh's house. And I'm going to read it to you in a minute. He could remain in Pharaoh's house, obviously being brought up underneath the gods of Egypt. All the various ones that they had. You think about the Hindus, they got a gazillion of them. I mean, you got one of this and one of that and one of that and another, and people starving to death, and they got cows out there in the front yard. Because they're not going to kill that cow and feed their family because that could be grandpa, because they believe in reincarnation. All that mess. And just multiple gods. Anything that you put in front of the one and true and living God is a god, is an idol. You can put work there, you can put sex there, you can put money there, you can put your family there, your children there. Some people idolize their children. Some people idolize their dogs. <laughs> their dogs eat better than I ate growing up. Their dogs have got a softer bed than the bed that I had growing up. Their dogs got run of the house. 
I'd make a joke in my secular job about being prepared for emergencies. I only make it among the, the servicemen, but I do make it every now and then. About building a kit, being prepared for winter storms, and being, you know, without food, I mean, without electricity or whatever, having, you know, being able, you can't get out of your house, and so being, having, you know, preparation for yourself for at least 72 hours worth of food and so on and so forth, food and water, not only for you and your family, but for your pets. You got to think about them if you got pets. And I said, I don't have pets. I said, I said, I think of my pets as emergency food. <laughs> not getting emergency food for my pets anyway. But anyway, that's the way I look at things. But there are pets that are just lifted up. I mean, they got pedicures and manicures, and they got their little bows in their hair. And if you got any pets and you do that for your pets, fine. I don't care. It's your money. It's your time and your whatever. But do you do that before God? Do you put, just do an examination what is so important to me that I would be totally devastated if it is taken out of my life? And that's probably a good place to start as far as what might be in the place of God. And like I said, it can be our family. People serve our children. People serve children. I was telling the story of a man that I know that is a, was, a, was a car salesman. I assume that he's still a car salesman. I hadn't seen him in a long time. But at the time, he was working for a dealership that sold Humvees, Hummers. And he gets a phone call one day, and the fellow on the other end of the phone call says, can I put a Humvee on... Can I put a Hummer on my uh, American Express card? Which is a, 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 a charge card, not a debit card. So you have to pay that off at the end of the month. And he goes, uh, hang on a minute. Can we put a Humvee? Which at the time was probably, you know, $35,000. Can we put a Humvee on an American Express card? And they're like, well, sure. So, you know. And, of course, now they got them colored cards. They got the green, the standard green card, and they got the, the, you know, the gold card and the black card, depending on what status you are. So he says, I'm on, and he gets on the phone, and he says, I'm, I'm going to buy this Humvee for my dad because I'm so-and-so, and I work, and I play for a professional baseball team. And he says, because now I play for the pros, I, I want to honor my father in all the sacrifices that he sacrificed for me that I could go to all the baseball camps, go to all the, all the workshops, go to all the travels, you know, working two and three jobs, Dad did, just so that I could do all that, so that now I can be in the pros. And I honor my father in doing that. I want to buy him a Hummer. So in that story, it's not wrong to honor your father and mother, but in that story, what was their God? <laughs> Sounds to me like it was baseball. And abilities. And 
vehicles. I mean, you can just, two or three of them right in there. Riches. Again, it's not, it's right. The Bible tells us to honor our father and our mother. For this is right. But to, to just, you know, when it's all said and done, there's a, there's a song, the Rebels Quartet. I think it was Rebels Quartet. Oh, yeah, the Rebels Quartet. Years ago, this is old, my 50s, probably 50s, 60s, Rebels Quartet come out with a song, What Then? And on the front of their long play, I know some of you, well, it, we, some of the young people understand what a long play album is now. Vinyl for you guys. Because it's kind of coming back into whatever. But at, at, at the radio station, the long play album of the Rebels Quartet for the, the album What Then had a photograph of one of the nuclear tests that they did off, off the Bikini Islands back in the 50s. Of this, so this great big nuclear mushroom cloud and these ships there in the harbor. And the title of that album was What Then? And when you listen to the song, when it was all said and everything's done, I mean, you've breathed your last breath, like was discussed in the Sunday school hour. You breathe your last breath. You've, you've went to the bank the last time. You went to the job the last time. You've done whatever that you do on a daily basis for the very last time. What then? What then? Brother Glenn very eloquently put together that there's only two places when we breathe our last breath on this side of life that we're going to go to. Like he mentioned that old song, Where the Soul of Man Never Dies. That's a good song, especially if you're on the right side of that song. Hallelujah. Knowing that one of these days I'm going to lay down my life and my testimony is that though my body might be laying here in front of this church, if I should die in Oklahoma, and Lisa decides to have me rolled in here for a funeral, my body might be there for you to view, but I'm not there. My will be in the presence of the Lord. I just, I'm telling you right now. I know that I know that I know that I know, like Paul says, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Some of you can't say that. Some of you are still looking to the it. You're looking what represented God and the presence of God. Historically was the Ark of the Covenant. But so you're looking to the church building. You're looking to the church service. You're looking to the cross on your wall or maybe around your neck. You're looking to the fact that you have a Bible. You're looking to uh, maybe some services that you had been in times past, those high services. I think, uh, you know, I, and, and the testimonies of others that have gone on. We mentioned Brother, 
Brother Mitchell, and some of the services you guys have been in with Brother Mitchell, when Miss Myra started coming here, and you guys introduced me to Miss Myra, and then you would talk about her mother-in-law and those services that she was in and those examples that she had in those services. I could tell you services, I mean, saints of God, my grandmother being one of them, shouting, shouting hairpins out of her hair. Those kind of services. And we grew up, some of us grew up in some of those services and knew saints of God like that. And, I mean, Ma, Ma Poe, that's what we called her, Mrs. Poe, Ma Poe, everybody knew her as Ma Poe. She had a, she had a uh, special needs son, an adult son, and uh, I don't know, it wasn't Downs that necessarily he had, but he had some sort of, special need along those lines, but, you know, she he was with his mother. I mean, I can't remember who died. I think Pete died first, but he's just one of those that, you know, you just had to know him. You just aggravate, I mean, all the little ones, and he'd grab your ear and just twist it. <laughs> you He would aggravate us as we was growing up, we'd aggravate him. You know how that kind of goes. But he was just a fixture in the church. But Ma Poe, she'd shout. She'd, get to, she'd stand out here. I remember when she called up on her to sing, she didn't sing with the piano. But every now and then she'd be called upon to sing. She'd stand right here and she'd take that old Broadman hymnal and she'd sing, I'm going to die on the battlefield. I've seen, I've seen the choir growing up. We couldn't sing a lick. <laughs> but we just love the Lord. And, and people would shout, and people would come out of the choir, run, shout, high services. We can hang on to the things. Hey, I was there when that happened. I was there when that happened. I remember my loved one. I remember brother so-and-so in church. I remember sister so-and-so in church. What an example. That, that's the same thing we're doing that the children of Israel did with the Ark of the Covenant. We're hanging on to some semblance of God when God ain't nowhere around it. And, what's, and the end result is the same. We're dying. We have loved ones that's dying and going to hell. And then we're dying and shriveling up as a church because we, you know... And we need to get to where they got to finally in 7. I like what it said there. In, in chapter 7, when they finally get to this place where before they went to the man of God, they lamented. The Bible tells us there. They lamented, there we go, after the Lord, verse number 2. 20 years. Now, the ark was in Kerjajira. They had been Eleazar, this, this man, one of the men of Kerjajira there, the, uh, so the house of Abinadab, Eleazar, his son, to keep it. I was just thinking about this. I don't know if some of you may have heard it on WSOF on the Preacher's Hour. I want to get, I'd love to get a copy. I may get a copy and just run it off and hand it to every household in our church because it's great. Brother Bill South, who now pastors in Taylor, South Carolina, 
was pastoring in Georgia at the time. He come up and did a revival. And he preached a message on 90 days in the presence of the Lord. It's a great message. Because he, he, he tells you that the Ark of the Covenant was in the house of Abinadab under the care of Eleazar, and for 20 years, nothing happens. For 20 years, they're still under the thumb of the Philistines. But when the ark was moved to the house of Obed-Edom, some things happened around the house of Obed-Edom. It's a tremendous message. I'm not going to preach it. But it was different than in the house of Abinadab because they respected and understood and, and knew the Lord of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord instead of just the ark. And there's where we got to get to. We that have a desire, and I, I think about the only time, probably, mm, probably the only time, maybe the, definitely the last time that we had a high service, if you want to put it that way, <laughs> was the Sunday morning that Brother Josh got saved. It started in the choir. We got to praising the Lord about our salvation. We didn't praise Sister So-and-So and her testimony, Ma Poe and my Nana. We didn't praise the deacon. We didn't praise the preacher. No, we praised the Lord for our salvation. It started in those songs. And God moved in and was here the whole service, the whole morning. And God was so heavy on Brother Josh and a few others in that service People moved. And Lord, help us to get to the place like the children of Israel in chapter 7 of 1 Samuel to lament after the Lord. To have such a desire to see it again. To have such a desire to feel His presence again. To have a desire... Like Brother Chris said, when he questioned himself, when he, he took that passage in Matthew and said, am I praying for my child like I should pray for my child? Am I praying for my loved ones like I'm praying for my loved ones? Are we running to and fro trying to satisfy them in the what my, I mentioned my brother's house years ago. Went down there for some vacation time. Elizabeth was 16 years old. <laughs> yeah, she was 16 because I let her drive some on the interstate. Woo. Anyway, we get down there and I look and over there and there's a calendar. And they got it color-coded. This, this is where my brother's going this week. This is where my sister-in-law's going this week. This is where my niece is going this week. This is where my... My, brother, my nephew's going this week. And I said, how in the world do they keep up with it? Got this practice and that practice and got this and that and all these things going on. And I'm like, where's God in that? Amen. And we're just as guilty. We'll, we'll, we'll pump up and do and spend out and one thing or another and try to keep everybody going and try to keep everybody satisfied. 
in their baseball programs or their this program or their that program. And I just mentioned baseball because of the fellow that bought his daddy a Hummer. Now, obviously the goal of that ball player's daddy and mama, daddy especially, I mean, apparently because it was mentioned to that friend of mine, that acquaintance of mine, that, that he had sacrificed so that he could put his son in all that with the ultimate goal of maybe making the pros. And if not even making the pros, at least getting a scholarship and helping pay for college. And if that's the goal, but what then? What after, when this life is over, when he, when he throws his arm out, when he tears a, a tendon in his knee, and he's no, no longer able to play the ball, no longer able to bring in the big bucks, what then? And when it's all said and done and we stand before God, are you going to say, I need to get into heaven, Lord, because I got my boy to play professional ball? And then the boy stands before God and he goes, I need to get into heaven, Lord, because I played professional ball. I was good at what I did. It's not going to be anything like that. When we stand before God, the question is, what have you done with my son Jesus? We sang the song about the blood this morning before Sunday school. What have you done? Has the blood been applied is what God is going to look at. What blood? Has Has my son's righteousness been put upon you? Otherwise, I see you as a sinner. I either see you righteous in my son or unrighteous without my son. We can just pump ourselves and pump our time and pump our energies and pump our money into so many different things. It's like in chapter number four. And God is nowhere around. And we suffer for it. Like they did. Or we can lament after the Lord. We can realize we are tired of being oppressed as a church. Tired of being uh, tired of having the low services, tired of seeing sinners come into the church and sinners go out of the church and nothing ever happened. And, we can, and we, can, we can get on the altar and we can say, Lord, where are you? We're coming up. Oh, imagine that. This just hit me. What? I think I wrote it down right. Sure enough, April... 12th, 13th, and 14th, we are celebrating 20 years anniversary of the Sooner Rose Baptist Church. Started out at Sooner Rose Landmark Missionary Baptist Church. Moved over here. We just put Sooner Rose Baptist Church. 20 years. 2024. How many years was it? When God went to, or when the ark went to Kerjath Gym? Until the time that they lamented? After the Lord, 20 years. Huh. 
Is that coincidental? That the Lord had me here today in this? Huh. Talking about the church. Talking about the children of God. The membership of Sooner Rose Baptist Church longing for the services that you and I have been in before. Longing for the services where the power of God and the Spirit of God sat down in the services and the saints of God rejoiced and the sinners were fell under conviction. Help us, help us, help us to lament after the Lord, to beg Him to come back to our services, to beg Him to come back in our presence, to beg Him for deliverance from the oppression that we're in as a church. But on the flip side of it, and to make application as the non-church members, the non-saved, we can make application in the fact that they were serving Balaam and Ashtaroth, verse number 4, chapter 7. So it mentions Ashtaroth there, it mentions strange gods in verse number 3. Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts. So you can make it two ways there. One, we can apply to the church. What have we got in our lives, children of God, church family, that is keeping God away? Have we got some gods we're going to have to put away? Huh. Or, sinner, it says return. And that was what the children that was talking about there but maybe you've never been, and you, you're serving the gods of this world. You're serving, spit it out, anything, anything that's keeping you from God. You're serving all those things, and you're not going to come to the Lord until you repent of that, until you put those things away. And accept Him and only Him. As your Savior. So he says right here, Then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only. That's, that's what I'm saying. Only, just him. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. And then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth and serve the Lord only. And then you know the rest of the story because we read it. And the Lord gave them deliverance. And when God gave them deliverance, there in verse number 12, and Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Again, the stone of help. Here I raise mine, Ebenezer. Let me read the rest. It's page 17. I remember that one. Here I raise mine, Ebenezer. Hither by thy help I come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. Jesus, now that stone of help, Ebenezer means stone of help, and I couldn't help but think as we finish up here today, about the stone, another stone, some stones that we've heard about. So maybe you need a stone of help. There's another way we could go with this message. It just didn't come out this way. 
But in Psalm 61, 1, hear my cry, O God, attended to my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You could go a whole different direction. It's just like, again, well, this was not the direction God wanted me to go in this morning, so I'm not going to belabor that. But I couldn't help but to think of a rock of offense. Brother Glenn quoted out of Isaiah this morning. In Isaiah 8, again, speaking to the children of Israel, Isaiah 8, 13 through 15, Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, and let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling, and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of of Jerusalem, And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. He said, sanctify the Lord of hosts himself. And again, just like our text, when they finally lamented after the Lord and they put away the other gods and him only they served, then they got victory. All the days of Samuel, as he, uh, uh, all the days of Samuel, then then they the, the, the Philistines had been conquered all those days. Because they had turned back into the Lord. And here in, in Isaiah, he's telling them to sanctify the Lord. But then those that didn't, that rock was going to be a rock of offense. And in the New Testament, both Paul and Peter tells us about that rock, that rock of offense that some people stumble at. That rock is Jesus Christ. That rock that is higher than I is Jesus. That stone of help is Jesus Romans 9.30 What shall we say then that the Gentiles which follow not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith? Brother uh, Chris in his devotion talked about that Jew and Gentile relationship. Again, he did bring out that the dispensation. We know that there's another dispensation there and and, and Jew and Gentile are alike, Paul tells us in his, his writings. But at that time, there was still that, and even today, over there among them, there was still that prejudice. But there was still that division. But she came to him as a dog. She came to him as a Gentile. And the question mark was, this is after... The gospel message had been taken to the Gentiles, and the Jews are questioning that. Because that, that's what it says. What? Question mark. Wherefore? Question mark. Have they obtained righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith? But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Talking about Jesus Christ. What Jesus did on the cross, whosoever believeth, that says on him, shall not be ashamed. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life.
But that's too complicated for some people to grasp a hold of in their thinking. Some people say, no, there's, there's something that I got to do. No, it's already been said this morning. It's a free gift. Jesus Christ already paid the price for your sins. He says, I've paid the price. Here is, here is your pardon. Reach out and take it. I have pardoned your sins, and by faith, you have to take it. You have to understand that righteousness is of faith, like it says there in verse number 30, and that, that uh, you will not be ashamed if you believe on him. Otherwise, it's a stumbling block. Some people, the stumbling block part comes when people say, oh, there's got to be something that I can do. There's got to be something more than that. There's got to be steps that I take. Like some religions, well, you got to, at birth, you got to go down and be sprinkled, and then you got to go do this, and then you got to do this, and you got to be married, and all these different things in life, stations. And then, and then at death, you got to have this all over you, and then after death, then you're still not necessarily in. You got to have family come down and give a bunch of money, and the priest will pray, hopefully, to get you out. It don't work that way. By, brother, Lee quoted in Sunday school, by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves. You can't do it by yourself. Nothing you can do. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2. And then Peter talks about that rock of offense. 1 Peter 1, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 2. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the milk, sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. So that tells you who that chief cornerstone is. That's Jesus Christ. He's, it says here, here in verse number four, he's precious. We see it precious again in verse number six. We see he's that chief cornerstone. Jesus Christ is, is, is described as chief, is described as elect, described as precious. He had already, God knew within himself, we serve a triune God, that man would sin. And before man ever sinned, God had a plan. And we see that all through the scriptures that Jesus Christ would come. And where we were at in the Sunday school class today, he, he was crucified, an innocent person. Taking upon him the sins of the world that he might put away sin. Verse number 7, unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. 
But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. The only difference between a saint and a sinner is mercy. Accepted mercy. It's free to you too. We've just accepted it. The gift of God is free to you too. What is that gift of God? Eternal life. Everlasting life. John chapter 3, 15 and 16. It's free. We've accepted it. It's a rock of offense to you. It's a stumbling block to you. You can't figure it out. There's, there's got to be more in your mind. Your, your mind is saying, wait, there's got to be more. I've got to do something. No, it's a free gift. He shed his blood on the cross of Calvary to satisfy God. Amen. To pay for your sins. We quote it often. He died, he, uh, let me read it. I know I'm going to get it wrong. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And that's where you've got to put your faith. He died for your sins. When you, re, when you come to that understanding, that means I'm a sinner. And it was for my sins he died. And he was buried. And he rose again the third day. And I put my faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for my sins. And by faith, I am made whole. I don't understand it, but that's what the Scripture says. And by faith, I believe it. And by faith, I have practiced it. And by faith, I have obtained it. And you can obtain it too. So again, this message was, could be applied and made both ways. Church, help us to lament. Help us to long for God in his presence and God for his salvation for our loved ones and God for his presence in our church services 20 years. I don't know. I've only been here four years of it. I don't know the full history. I've heard little bits and pieces here and there. I'm sure there's been high times in Sooner Rose's history and low times too. I think about... The church I grew up in, again, high times and low times, and I like them high times. Think of Island Four. I've only been a member of, what, five churches in my whole lifetime? High times and low times. I mean, times that we shouted her out, times that we just cried and thanked God for his salvation, and times that we just praised him for his goodness, and times where you're questioning why is it so dead? Why are we losing people? Why are we just like the children of Israel? Because we've got our eyes off of the Lord and onto some objects about the Lord. Church. And then sinner. It's a free gift.
not the ark, not the things, not the, not the, the symbols, there's a word, the symbols of religion. That's not going to satisfy God. The only thing that's going to satisfy God when you stand before him is what have you done with Jesus? Is his blood been applied to your life to wash away your sins? It's not the baptismal waters. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's exactly right. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And when the blood of Jesus is applied to you, like has been pointed out already, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All of those old sins that you still remember, God forgot. They're washed away. When he sees me, he sees the blood of the Lamb. He doesn't see all the things that I've done. He doesn't see me as a sinner. He sees me in the Savior. And he's satisfied because the blood's applied. And that can be applied to you today. The Lord's speaking to your heart. Come. And church, help us between now. Help us just, help us. I say between now and April, no, help us get a hold of God again. Help us to lament the presence of God. To long for and to, 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 to reach out and beg him in his presence so that we can have victory again in our lives. And that's the message today. As we have a song of invitation, if the Lord's spoken to you, I invite you to come. It's not in, like Brother Glenn said, it's not in the words you say. It's not, you, you don't have to write a, you know, a thesis as far as all your sins. Put them in a bag and say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And the preacher said, and that word said, the, word is, the preacher declared, the word said that Jesus Christ is the Savior. Jesus Christ died on the cross, an innocent man, and he shed his blood to pay for my sins. And Lord, by faith, I'm asking you to apply it. And again, I'm not telling you what to say, just a belief in your heart. doesn't have to have any words. A belief in your heart for all those things. Where the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made before men as we sing.